welcome back to the Heart and Hustle podcast. I'm Charisma O'Keefe. I am Angelica Yard. And we are here once a week, every week on Thursdays. Yes. And we're telling you all about business and balance and a little bit of everything lately. 2020, goodness. Yes. And it is officially fall. Yes, we Not officially. Not just in our hearts, but like outside yeah. as well. I'm like, to me, it's been, it's been fall since August 1st, because that's when I do, that's when I decide that it's fall, but that's not how science and weather work so you know (laughs) according to science and weather and all that stuff in the calendar uh it just officially became fall so i'm i'm so glad because i I hate all those like when all these people are just like oh like it's not fall yet like i'm like leave me alone like every year but especially this year i don't Um, know why anyone wants like i don't for the life of me okay people who love summer please message us i don't get it i would love to know what it is about summer that you enjoy it's so strange to me um and pr- for me pretty much like november to me is like a hybrid month it's like fall slash christmas um but we don't really have like cold weather so it's like i'm not saying like i want winter you know what i mean but i'm just like it's it's christmas like pre-christmas month is what november is to me because i don't really care about thanksgiving that much so i know some people don't like that i don't really care like I don't <laughs> like I'll do it. I'm not saying like I'll 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 eat Thanksgiving food and stuff, but to me it's just kind of like a little pre whatever uh before like actually getting to business. It's a preview to your high holidays. Like exactly. it's to you it's like just opening the door for the It's rest just of like the world a little bit of like in between. Yeah, because I'm like I love Halloween and I love Christmas. So it's just like a little like pit stop in between where you're like, oh okay, like I guess we'll have a meal or whatever. Uh, but it's not like a main event to me. So Whereas Thanksgiving for me is like it's it's up there. It's high up there on the things that I enjoy because I just I don't know, it's just a nice vibey like cozy holiday like it doesn't require much like it does if you care about hosting and like that type of thing but if it's low key it's really like a chill day well that is yeah it is like low key and I think I like it because of that like but I just it feels like a different category to me because I am so extra with Halloween and Christmas you are very extra yeah (laughs) (laughs) so it's like I'm excited like it's not like I'm like oh I hate this day but it's just like oh like it's Thanksgiving like it's chill like you know whatever Whereas, like, Halloween, Christmas, it's like, ha-ha, it's here. And, like, there's just so much that goes on. I'm so excited. By the way, I already have four costumes for my dog, Valkyrie, in case you were wondering. <laughs> no one who <laughs> listens to this podcast on a regular basis is surprised by I this information. Not one so person. I am so excited. Like, and also, we went to go get her nails trimmed um, over the weekend, and... She was not a good girl because she does not like getting her nails trimmed. But somehow we ended up spending $60 on, like, dog stuff for her while we were there. Somehow as if it's surprising to anyone. I know. And, like, we ended up getting her, like, like, costumes and then also, like, Halloween dog toys, which I didn't know that there were seasonal dog toys. Oh, yes, yes. Pet toys are, like, like, the best to buy. Like, especially when you get the stocking of, like, toys for them. It's so fun. Yeah. So we got her, like, some spooky toys. So I'm excited for it. It's going to be great. But another day that's coming up that I don't even, I can't really, I don't know. I'm not excited for it. It's just, it's, I'm just, I'm ready for it to come and be over. It is a privilege to be able to do it and participate. Mm -hmm. How about, let's look at it that way. We are privileged to be able to participate in the somewhat democracy of our country. 
And so, so it's a very exhausting time, um, obviously, with everything that's been going on. Um, but we need to make sure that we are ready to vote, that we're prepared to vote, and that we... Because there's going to be a lot of pushback, I think, more than usual with, like, voter suppression and all that. Because people don't want us to vote. Because your vote does matter, and it, it is important. And so people are going to try to stop you. And other people have been stopped before, had their votes um, invalidated and I mean, this just happened recently um, in Georgia. So it's just like, this is a very real thing that like you have to think about and possibly deal with. I highly suggest to anybody to watch the film All In. Um, it's on Amazon, but they've actually, it's like the second thing that they've ever put in front of the paywall. So you don't actually have to pay to watch it because they want like as many people to watch it as possible. And um, actually like my brother worked on the film, Ben, um as a impact producer but yeah a lot of the stuff like you know the last like six months or whatever like he's been doing stuff behind the scenes and I've been hearing about it and it's just it's definitely like a real thing it's definitely something that you want to make sure you know your rights and you are prepared and you know going into a voting situation like what like what your rights are because literally like they try to tell Stacey Abrams that she couldn't vote and she was like going in to vote like in her own election. And they were like, oh, no, you can't vote. So like that's like they will try you. OK, um, especially if you're black or you're brown or you're a woman, anything like that. So make sure that you're prepared. Um, so just a little checklist going through, like check if you're registered to vote. It's good to check over and over and over again and not like daily, but, you know, like every like few weeks. And it's good to take like a screenshot and have that with you that like shares your eligibility or have like that you know, your card, like anything that proves that you can vote, like bring it with you. doesn't hurt. Um, decide if you want to vote by mail for some places. I feel like, no, no, has, has any, I, I'm wondering if anyone like, or if any place has already expired. Deadline already yeah, passed. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I saw the thing yesterday. Because ours is October, October 24th yes. mm-hmm. here in Orlando or like Orange County area. Um, I'm not sure what it is everywhere. It's probably somewhere in that realm, but I would definitely look into it and make sure, make sure you request it by the time. And to me, I'm like, you want to get it early because if you're mailing it back, like you want to make sure that you have like the time for that. Um, I suggest like dropping it off where exactly where it needs to go. And you can like Google to make sure that you have the right building for your area. Um, but mail-in ballots must be signed and received no later than 7 PM on election day. Um, and you don't need to stamp it to mail it in. So just so you know, um, decide if you want to vote early, if you're going to do that and just figure out what your early voting dates are here in, um, Orange County, it's October 19th to November 1st. They will vary a little bit depending on your County, your city, your state, whatever. So if you're going to have an early voting plan, figure out what that is. I suggest either doing for this particular election because of COVID, I suggest either doing mail-in or vote early. And if you're going to vote early, I suggest it being on the earlier side of early, not on that like last two days because it's going to be pretty busy. Yeah. Um, and you can also take, at least in Osceola County, you can take your ballot to an early polling place. So here yes. it's so mm-hmm. ours is a li- our local library. So you can take your mail-in ballot if you do not feel comfortable with yeah. it being lost in the mail to your early polling places the day before early voting ends and place it in there and that's totally fine as well and then you know if you're gonna go on election day like i know a lot of people just like to vote on election day i've always voted on election day until this election same um so this will be the first one that i'm i'm gonna do mail-in for this one 
Um, but this will be the first one that I'm like not there in person. But if you are going to go in person, make sure obviously that you're wearing your mask. You should be wearing your mask anywhere you go that there's other people, period. And just like anywhere you go. Um, have your ID with your signature. And then something that I learned more recently is avoid wearing political clothing because you can be turned away at the polls. I guess that's because it's like they can say in the same, re- like same reason you can't bring in like signs and stuff like that, like past that certain line. Um, because it's like, oh, you're, you know, you're like trying to get people to vote for one candidate or the other. I wouldn't even have thought about it. Um, so, but yeah, just make sure you're not wearing any political clothing, quote unquote. I mean, that can, that's, that's if it has specifically a candidate on it and says whatever. Yeah. I obviously I'm like, just like, save it for your car. Like, put let's say, obviously, like everyone did the pantsuits like four years ago. I mean. Um, and this year people, I guess, are talking <laughs> about voting in com- Converse sneakers and, um, people are trying to get Converse I don't to know make... any of those trends. Like, that's so, so funny to me. It, people are, there's like a group called Pantsuit Nation that's on Facebook and I guess this I mean, is I like, remember that, yeah, but I yeah. just, like, so I that's, didn't and know I guess that people cared enough. They, I guess they're trying to make, like, Converse make a shoe that would have like RBG's like um, thingy, like her thing on it. Her Yeah. And then it would be on Kamal, like on Converse's, like for Kamal Harris, which I was like, that's interesting. I didn't even know that Converse's were Kamal. I'm learning something new. I guess day. she wears them a lot. And the also, the, the funny thing is, she wore the other day, I guess she got off a plane. Yeah, she wore some Tim's. And she wore and Tim's, and people the were like, lost their mind. Yeah, people were like, she's trying to get the black vote. And it's like, guys, she went to Howard. Like, she's black. Like, relax. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't I don't think this should be like, you know what's really going to get them? These Tim's. Um, also, like, <laughs> wearing Tim's to, like, go to California to inspect fires is yeah, a like, thing to do. Like, exactly. it just, it's, like, she's an auntie. Like, that's her whole. Yeah. Uh, okay. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway. So, anyways, um, so yeah, please make sure that you are prepared to vote, and please make sure that you have a plan, yeah. and please and make sure the people in your circle have a plan. Official government like websites. There is a lot of random mail that is being sent from PACs and super PACs and other candidates and all kind of things that are trying to intimidate people or scare people into thinking that they're not registered to vote or they cannot vote or that their voting has expired or, you know, there's all this thing. You can only get this information from the official place, the official source. So please go to your official like elections office and look that information up. Do not go get a letter in the mail that's sponsored by some other candidate, whoever it is, because this is happening all like even local candidates are doing this. Uh, Ignore that mail and go check it out on the internet. Ignore like all of their mail, to be quite honest. It's a waste of paper and we're also in a pandemic. I I don't know why we're getting paper mail from anyone at this point for political reasons, but you know. Doesn't make sense. Um, Okay, so today we have a listener question that we are going to answer before we get into our interview. So this question comes from Isabella and she wants to know, what advice do you have for those who are ready to launch a product-based business, but are brand new to social media? Whew, a lot. First of all, everybody. congratulations on being brand new to brand social media. Brand new. What, what is that life new? like? I'm very jealous. Congrats. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I think if you're completely brand new, I would, you know, again, it depends, like little things depend on 
what product you're selling, who your target market is, things like that. But I would focus on the big three, which would be in this case, Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest. Those would be the three that I would focus on with starting a product-based business and being brand new. Now, depending on what you're selling and who you're selling to would be where I would dedicate my time. Um, and you're going to like, just have to figure that out through, you know, doing like your research and, and that sort of thing. But if you're selling to kind of like an older crowd, if you're selling to parents, um, that sort of thing, I would go maybe more the Facebook route. And then if you're selling to like millennials, that sort of thing, then I would do, um, Instagram, uh, I don't feel like TikTok is a place to start if you don't know anything. Or brand about new. Media. Yeah, yeah, like if you're brand new to it, I feel like that's overwhelming. I definitely think that it can be a great place to, you know, utilize and a great place to grow your brand if you know what you're doing. But like you, if you're selling to Gen Z, like you already need to know about social media. So I'm assuming that like your product probably isn't just for Gen Z. Um, if it is, I think that it would be 100% smart to hire a consultant on to kind of pull you into that world because it's it's a lot. Uh, most people that have been on Instagram for years that have blogs, that have Facebook, a lot of those people are still like, oh, TikTok, I can't figure it out. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of people that are like influencers, like paid influencers for a living only who like just now are getting on the TikTok train or at least got on it like way after the fact. Um, so those would be the three things that I would focus on. And again, if you're brand new, number one, I would focus on consistency because I think that that's the thing that most people have the biggest issues with. And if you look at the people that are in the tops in a lot of industries that um, are social media based, like a lot of people say that consistency is what helps them stand out from the crowd more than anything else. And when, even like when brands are looking to partner with influencers and, and stuff, that's what they look at is like, who's consistent. So if you're trying to sell to people and you're not consistently in front of their face, then they're going to forget about you. So you just want to make sure that you're consistent. Um, I would also say like actually have fun with it and take time to like get to know the platform and get to know like who is there and like what they do and like how people connect. Um, because you really want to have those like genuine conversations and genuine connections, because I think that those things are really what make social media a good thing um, and will really like help you connect to a, a target clientele that like actually feels like they understand your brand and that sort of thing. Um, and then I would say if you can, like it, hire somebody, <laughs> because if it's all completely brand new to you, like getting somebody who can walk you kind of through, um, you know, the different platforms, like what to do on each platform, how to post, how to utilize hashtags, like things like that would be really beneficial. I have worked with quite a few people who are like this, who are like brand new. A lot of times it's like they'll have this whole other career and then they retire and then they like decide they're going to open a business and they're like, I'm 60 and I've never used social media and I'm brand new to it. So it's like, we'll start from scratch. Like, what is a tweet? You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, if you can hire somebody to kind of teach you to like make things faster, that would be great. Also, if you could hire a social media intern to kind of um, help with like keeping up with DMs and keeping up with comments and stuff like that, that would be great too. Again, don't know what your budget is, but in a dream world, those, those would be like my tips. 
Oh man, Ugh. social media—it's a pain. Um, <laughs> it's like the necessary evil, and what sucks is about being good at being a brand strategist. Obviously, means that I, I'm good at social media strategizing because I mean I like it, but <laughs> I'm good at it, and so uh, I often have to have these conversations with people about what their social strategy is because people tend to attack social media from a lens of someone who is completely unrelatable to their business or what they've seen or what they've heard. So really just focus A on your core competitors and see what they're doing, number one. Yes. There's no need to reinvent the wheel a lot of the times because people who already have had success or already have a platform like a boilerplate that you can kind of take and be inspired by, obviously don't copy, but then use that strategy to kind of create your own strategy and as you find your own customers you'll find out what they like best and what they respond best to some people have businesses where the people who follow them their followers are really like active in the dms and in replying to stories whereas some people can do stories all day and their customer base is not the type of people who want to talk to them they're like okay that's great i'll talk to you more in your post so it really takes time to figure out what your audience likes what your target audience is i really always strongly recommend having user personas for your customers, for each of your social platform, because each social platform is going to attract a different type of person. As Chris already said, certain age groups use certain social platforms. So not your, you may have some overlap, but a lot of times you're not going to find, you know, older people who are in the sixties plus, you know, our boomers on TikTok trying to shop for things. Like it's just exactly. not really, you know, realistic. And then obviously people who use Pinterest tend to be, more uh, older millennials or younger Gen Z parents who have oftentimes children who are under the age of 18. So that's something that typically you're not going to find a Gen Z kid browsing Pinterest to find outfit. You know what I mean? Like there's just Mm -hmm. certain places where certain people find out. So you need to have your user personas for those people. Again, as we said, hire someone. If you can't figure that out, you don't have the time who can help you come up with that easily so you can start your customer journey maps from social into them turning into leads and obviously becoming customers for the businesses that you are owning. And then also make sure you are using your insights, using your analytics so that you can pivot quickly when something does not work out. There's Social media is always changing. The metrics are always changing. The algorithm is always changing. The AI is changing. The tools that you're using are changing. So you need to all be flexible. And I think that's probably the number one rule of social media is that you if you're inflexible if you're really stuck in your ways you're gonna get left behind because the platforms don't care about you sis like they just don't care they're gonna move forward and do what they want to do i mean people really were stuck on snapchat they were hard die snapchat people who refused to leave the platform and they were like instagram stores is ghetto or whatever like negative connotation look look where we are now do you know that there are some people in this world still oh yeah yeah and I was just like, "What?" Like, uh, no, there are some. Um, I know a girl who's like, who make stickers exclusively for Snapchat oh who refused to make them for. At least the person Giffy. I know is not like a, a business owner, but she was like, "Yeah, I have a street going with my husband, and it's like a hundred days." And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> like, I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, and I don't think there's anything wrong with Snapchat or what it did. Like, it, it was a great platform. It still is. Like, it still has function it is, and usability, great, but, but it's just not. Instagram ate it. The range, the range is not there anymore. Like, I, my like my thing is is like like they changed after like Instagram ate them, and they like tried to get better, and it was way worse. Like the interface is like terrible. Whereas like you look at TikTok, who 
obviously Instagram also was like, "Mm, we're going to eat you for breakfast as well. But like their platform is just so different. The algorithm, like everything is just so different about it that it's still highly relevant, even though Instagram has added reels. Yeah. I I also feel like I don't know like that all Instagram users are like particularly into reels. Yeah. Me. Hi. Uh, (laughs) Hi friends who are doing reels. I am so proud of you. I have not watched one. Um, Yeah. Cause I'm like, I like, tiktok but like even though i like tiktok or whatever i just haven't noticed as many reels like popping up i feel like oh, man. people are, every, i feel like everybody i know people is doing are doing reels that they feel I feel like they like, have to but i feel like they're not popping up as relevant in my feed because yeah. other people are not liking them you get what i'm saying mm-hmm. oh yeah i mean yeah, no yeah. the engagement levels are low. it's only other creators who are like yeah yeah really engaged with reels in my opinion i don't think the yeah. average instagram user cares about about reels like they just don't so yeah but yeah as, yeah, as we already have talked about there's so like much like you said being, being flexible yeah. and being you know it's just kind of like we don't know a month from now reels could be popping so it's just being flexible and and being ready to just kind of see where the curve is going and ride it and but have fun with needed. it yeah yep. um and also i mean there's so many free resources there's so many things that are happening later con is happening right now which later is a social media scheduling app and they've had like kev on stage on and all these other things like there's so many conferences that are happening in the time of covid that are free that can help you utilize some of the platforms so those are things that you may want to look into as well as what is happening in the conference space so that you can get a little bit of extra learning i wouldn't recommend off the bat just buying someone's course just because they have a lot of followers that's not necessarily a guarantee for it being successful but i will say that one-on-one learning with someone as like a coach may be better off for social media in my opinion agreed agreed well well we have an interview it's interesting we're learning some stuff we're doing some stuff we have some really good things scheduled. Oh, we have a newsletter. Forgot to talk about that. Yes. We okay. have a newsletter. It is on thing. the website. Yeah, if you go down, scroll down, you go to the little box where it says, let me know about episode. It's always been there. We've always had one. We just, now we're using now it. Now we're using <laughs> it. Uh, so it, every Thursday, episodes will be going out and more information to come. We'll probably store some freebies and stuff as we you know build up to launch the patreon and all the other things and we'll put some of the shop stuff when we have new collections and let's say i should also mention that for uh kismet and charisma i know a lot of people have been asking about fall candles i have been very determined to pour 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 and have things ready to go so that when people order they will ship out immediately rather than pouring to order, which I was doing before for like the summer launch. So uh, the shop is going, or not the shop, the shop is already live, but the fall launch is going to go live for everyone on October 1st and stuff will actually ship that same day. But for insiders, it will go live on September 30th. So next week I will have a code for you guys that I will give you so you guys can get a discount off. But yeah, so if you are an insider, your stuff will ship on September 30th. And then for everybody else, it'll be open and ship on October 1st. It smells so good in my house right now. Like I'm so ready. I literally like I sometimes like when because I go back and forth between like pouring and then like doing stuff on my computer. And like I just keep like a blanket on my chair because I just like curl up and like smell all this fall. Oh, I love it. 
So thank you guys for always as for listening and supporting. We are on Instagram, Heart and Hustle Podcast, Twitter, Heart Hustle Pod. Use the hashtag boss so hard so we can see what you're up to. Hi, friends. We are so excited because we have Paulina here with us. And so welcome to the podcast. And for our listeners who do not know you and your work and your brand, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Um, But as you said, my name is Paulina, and I am an artist and creative entrepreneur. Um, I sell fine art prints of my travel and landscape photography online. And I recently started coaching other artists to do the same. Which I need to be one of those artists because (laughs) (laughs) like I've been following your work actually for a really, really, really long time, um, like on Instagram and stuff. But yeah, like I've, I've watched the transition of you, you know, doing more like shooting all the time and then Mm -hmm. like selling prints. And I'm like, that's like, if you could make that transition, I think it's such a good one to make because I don't want to say the income is completely passive, but it's just like a Mm -hmm. little bit more passive. Um, and we're all about like passive income and like multiple income streams here because, you know, as an entrepreneur, it's mm-hmm. like that next paycheck isn't guaranteed per se. Um, so it's just always nice when you can have some different options. Oh, definitely. I completely agree. Um, it's, it's essential really to diversify your revenue streams, especially these days. <laughs> yes. yes. So <laughs> multiple income streams can be incredibly helpful for entrepreneurs. So what are your current business income streams as a photographer and an artist? And which do you find to be a little bit more passive and which do you find to be a little bit more active? Yeah. So currently I have five streams of business income from my artwork alone and a new stream of income from my coaching program, Print Shop Academy. So six streams total, but um, my art streams include Etsy, Society6, um, which if you're not familiar with Society6, it's essentially a website that really makes it easy for artists to upload um, digital files of their artwork. And then Society6 essentially acts as the licensing and fulfillment partners. So um, I have some of my prints on there. And then if a customer on Society6 orders a print or a product from me with my art on it, Society6 basically handles everything else, which is really nice. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So that's two streams so far. My third stream of income is on my own website, um, which I host through Shopify. And Um, I also have a stream of income that comes in through art licensing. So this, this one's really crazy because I actually had um, a company reach out to me who found me on Etsy and ask if we wanted to go into business together um, with them licensing my artwork. So that was something really cool and unexpected that came just from putting myself out there, you know? Um, And then Oh, yeah. (laughs) And then um, Amazon is my fifth stream of art income. So I do have my prints available through Amazon's handmade platform. And in terms... Yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot, I know. <laughs> no, I was just because when Amazon Handmade came out, it was such a like it was so hard to get on it. And so the fact that you were mm-hmm. a, able to be a part of that platform and successfully sell 
your own art prints is a bigger it's a bit it's a big deal like it was not it, they were very selective in who they let on because they really wanted to stick to that handmade portion because uh, like Etsy which we love and it started out handmade clearly it's not all handmade artisans and crafts and, and things anymore it's a lot of larger companies are hiding in Etsy so that's really cool you're able to take advantage of what Amazon was offering as well yeah, thank you so much for saying that. Um, it was definitely really exciting to join the program. And um, to be fair, I do focus on other streams more than I focus on Amazon right now. But um, I actually am looking at changing that. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's really cool to be able to have kind of my hands in all these different buckets. Um, but in terms of which ones are more active and which ones are more passive, um, it's kind of like what you said earlier about, um, you know, all of these streams of income look more passive when you're comparing them to um, a service-based stream of income. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in that sense, they all um, have the potential to be more scalable. But I would say that Society6 and my art licensing partnership are definitely um, the most passive streams of income that I have because essentially, you know, it just involves me sending my files over to, you know, the company and then they will pay me in royalties based on the amount of sales that I made um, in any given time. So that is like completely passive <laughs> for the most part. Um, and then Etsy and the income um, earned from my own website and Amazon are a bit more active because I offer physical prints through those sales channels. And, you know, it does involve the work of marketing and getting customers actually to those um, shops on those sales platforms. That's amazing. Um, first of all, the fact that you have six income streams is fantastic. Um, <laughs> and that two of them like are so passive is really great. Um, and yeah, like we, so Angelica and I have actually both made the transition, not the transition because we still do service-based, but we've mm -hmm. added product-based businesses, mm -hmm. um, in addition to our service-based business. And like, it is really interesting to see like, you know, what's more passive, what you actually spend more time on and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Cause it's, it definitely like, you know, as you know, like when you go from shooting weddings all day, mm -hmm. you know, to shooting prints, it is just like a different sort of thing, but it doesn't mean that you're not going to be doing anything you know what I mean like you're still oh, yeah. gonna have you're still gonna have especially like with marketing I, I think that people don't realize just how much you're marketing mm -hmm. and I think a lot of like when you're doing a service-based business a lot of times people don't realize like you're marketing when you do that service like when you're out there like mm -hmm. actually shooting the wedding and like you're you know meeting the wedding party and you're talking to different people and a lot of times it's like you get that like those word of mouth sales but I think when you're selling, you know, completely product-based and you're not out there doing a service, you're not out there talking to people and meeting new people, you really have to lean into the marketing a little bit more um, to make that, you know, a something that is profitable. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, and, no, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, the seven streams of income is like, technically what they say starts mm -hmm. to build you to your first million or whatever. So you're like mm -hmm. one stream away. Your, your millionaire status is right <laughs> around the corner. <laughs> oh, thank you for saying that. You know, I will, I hope to see it soon, <laughs> but um, 
Yeah. All right. So tell us about your experience uh, with transitioning from being a wedding photographer to being a fine art studio owner, because I'm sure that was something that required a lot of pivoting and changing your mindset and the way that you currently have your day-to-day operations, of course, and the way you market. Yeah. So um, when I was a wedding photographer, um, I used to blog my weddings and also my personal travels. Um, And, you know, one day I had a blog reader message me um, about purchasing an image that they saw on my blog for um, their home. And so it was really then that I like saw the potential that could happen when I monetized my photography um, by selling prints of my work in addition to selling my art as a service. So I actually started Paulina Studio, which is my print shop, um, when I was in the middle of running my photography business. So there was definitely that overlap um, time there. And then I just eventually got to a point where I was ready to step outside of being a wedding photographer and into being more of that like artist entrepreneur and putting my artwork to work for me. So, um, you know, my time definitely is spent more on marketing now than I would say it was before. Before it was very like, you know, relationship, word of mouth, marketing based, um, trying to catch leads, um, you know, reaching out to other photographers in my area and just staying on top of those connections. Whereas now um, the bulk of my work really comes down to email marketing and optimizing um, the keywords that I use in my shop and um, some paid advertising as well. That's really awesome. And I also like, I'm, I'm a big fan of like doing the overlap when you're like transitioning kind of from one business to another. Um, how mm-hmm. long was your overlap? I'm curious. Yeah, well, <laughs> I actually started my print shop in 2016. So that was four years ago. And then I would say I, I stopped officially booking weddings last year in 2019. So there was about a three-year overlap there. Um, yeah, that was a good time to stop. Yeah. right before a pandemic. So right. good on you for like getting out. Yeah, it's it's wild. I have a lot of friends who are still in the industry, and um, yeah, my heart goes out to anyone who's been affected. Um, not just in the events industry, but in all industries, you know. Yeah, it's definitely the wedding industry is a very tough industry to be in right now. And like, Mm -hmm. that's where I used to work in. And, you know, thankfully, I've kind of transitioned on it as well. But I did have Mm -hmm. a contract at Disney shooting weddings and obviously haven't Mm -hmm. been doing that this year. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, definitely same thing. Like I had a a longer transition or I always do whenever like I'm, I'm starting like a new project or whatever. I think it's it's smart. I think a lot of people don't realize that most people do it that way, but it's, you know, it's a really good way to make sure that you're continuing to get income from the thing that you've already been doing you've already built mm-hmm. up while you're building up that new thing so that it can be, you know, like solid before you just kind of jump and <laughs> make that huge change. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so what are some of the biggest mistakes that you've made so far and what have you learned when you first started your shop? Yeah. Um, where do I begin? <laughs> Um, so 
I would say one of the biggest mistakes I made when I first started my shop was only offering one print size. So mm. when I first started um, my shop, I only offered eight by 10 inch prints. And I don't know why on earth I thought that that was a good idea. Um, but I don't even want to know how much revenue I missed out on by only offering one print size. I think I thought that, you know, I just wanted to keep things simple. Um, but when you're selling something like artwork, um, your customer is really trying to figure out how your product will fit in their home. And it's a lot easier to do for them to do that when they have multiple options of how you know, large or small, they can print that piece to make it fit with their space. So that was something I learned um, through experience. And um, yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, what's like, so how many sizes do you have now? Yeah. Um, oh my goodness. I should know this off the top of my head. <laughs> um, I think I have about seven. So I sell eight by 10, 11 by 14, 16 by 24, um, 20 by 30, 24 by 36, um, 30 by 50, and occasionally 40 by 60 inches, depending on the print. So yes, seven wow. print sizes. How did you land on those particular sizes? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I tend to prefer a two by three ratio, um, because that's the ratio that matches, um, my camera's sensor. So, um, instead of choosing say like 16 by 20, um, you know, that's why I went with like 16 by 24. So I tried to choose as many standard and popular sizes as possible. Um, so, I mean, most of the sizes that I offer are pretty, um, popular, I guess, in terms of buying artwork for your space. Um, so that's why I chose those sizes. <laughs> yeah. No, I really, I, mean, I love sense. them. They're, the like the giant Joshua tree one like I want that in my house <laughs> I'm like I want that over my couch oh <laughs> thank you yeah um let's see I actually have another mistake um now that I think about it so I went through a time period where I was constantly putting my products on sale uh, I'm talking about like multiple times a month I was just running sales in my shop and you know I thought that having constant promotions would really increase my sales. And for some businesses, it does work very well. Like I have seen um, biweekly promotions do very well with um, other businesses, but for mine, it just, it didn't really help increase my sales at the time. Um, and I've actually found since then that I make more sales when my items are full price. So um, I actually started making more consistent sales when I stopped discounting frequently, which is just like completely counterintuitive, but um, it's just how it worked out for me. Wow. I would have not guessed that. And that's very good to know <laughs> as someone who just recently opened up a product-based business because yeah. I, yeah, I definitely would not have assumed that, but I have heard like a lot of people say like, you know, kind of be aware and cautious of how often you discount things because you don't want people to only wait to purchase during a sale. Exactly. I have heard that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think part of it too is that, you know, this year has taught us what purchases are super essential mm -hmm. <laughs> and 
you know, I know they're both pieces of paper, but art and toilet paper are two very different things. So um, (laughs) art is definitely in more of the luxury category. So um, when you're buying luxury items, it makes sense that you're not constantly, you know, discounting it almost kind of reduces the experience to some degree. Yeah. And so I found that to be true with my shop. Yeah, I can I can completely see that. I was very surprised, like when I opened up my candle shop this year, how many people were willing to buy very tiny candles for fifteen dollars. To be quite honest, I, I was like, mm-hmm. really, this is the price you guys are okay with? But you know, like you said, like some things are more considered a luxury, so mm-hmm. people are expecting it to be a little bit more, and they're willing and ready to splurge on it as opposed to, you know, something that they're you know expecting to catch a deal on like the, they would at Target or Walmart or whatever exactly yeah and, and people are at home more and so they're investing in things to make their home yes. comfortable because now they're mm-hmm. there more often than not and so now you're seeing the blank walls in your house and you're like mm-hmm. I need to put some pieces <laughs> on the wall or like I smell my house all day so I need these candles to enhance my home experience my home life experience because that's what people are doing I was watching something they were talking about pajama sales and slipper sales going up like 113% because people oh my gosh. are at home all day. You know, they're not doing anything. A so lot Tori of those Birch... pajama sales are me. <laughs> so Tori Birch was talking about how her sports line, which I didn't know she had, uh, has pivoted yeah. to be like her bestsellers versus obviously her bags and her shoes mm-hmm. because people still want to embrace that brand, but they want to do mm-hmm. it comfortably at home, you know, as we all are. So it definitely makes yeah. sense to keep your products a the the price they are and reduce not reduce your sales exactly like putting out those promotions because people do have this expendable income that they're not spending outside mm-hmm. in restaurants and you know experiences outdoors so they definitely want mm-hmm. to invest in their home and kind of make that experience at home a hundred percent so exactly. I'm glad that people are buying these prints from you and all these sizes I'm stressed about sizes so I like I do offer one size because the thought of shipping other sizes for my house stresses me out <laughs> like, yeah yeah so <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's a great point um I was actually fulfilling um in-house at the very beginning and I had a printer and I was printing eight by ten prints myself um currently I do um, work with a print lab that fulfills um, that huge range of sizes for me, which is very helpful. So it definitely depends on, you know, how you set up your business. Um, but yeah, in my experience, I've found my customers appreciate having um, those multiple sizes. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Because your art, first of all, needs to be large. Like I'm like, I don't, I, it's too pretty to be eight by 10. I want it big <laughs> and then like out of control and take up my whole living room. Like <laughs> Take up all my large walls, please. Um, so what are three tools that you're currently using right now to run your business efficiently? Yes. Um, so while I do love Trello for organizing my projects and like my weekly tasks digitally lately, I've actually been using just a good old fashioned notebook, um, to help yes. keep me on track. Yeah. To help That's keep what me I on track use. every day. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Crossing items off is so satisfying yes, every day. It really is. Oh my gosh, yeah. I love it. Yeah, so I just have my spiral bound notebook and every day I turn the page. Um, 
And then I also recently switched to active campaign for my mm-hmm. email service provider. Um, and I've really been enjoying just diving into that software to connect with my email subscribers. So um, email is definitely a key part of my business. And um, another tool I use would have to be Google Drive for content creation and categorization. I have so many folders and documents of just um, all of my plans and ideas laid out on there. Um, But when it comes to my actual art sales, I actually find that the built-in tools on each sales platform work really well for me. So um, for example, when I'm fulfilling like Etsy orders, I'm basically just on my Etsy shop platform doing that and the same with Shopify. So they are kind of like self-contained right now, which works for me. Um, I know there is software out there that kind of brings everything together. Mm -hmm. Um, But I found for the volume that I'm at right now, I can definitely just manage logging in separately. So um, yeah, that's basically what I use to um, keep things going. First of all, I feel like I want to convince you to do bullet journaling because I feel like you would really enjoy it. If you like writing in a notebook and you yeah. love like checking things off, like a bullet journal is amazing. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm a notebook person too. And I've used, I think I've used everything like Trello, mm-hmm. Asana, just like anything you can think of. And I do normally try to keep some sort of like digital master list of like what needs to be done. Um, mm-hmm. But, and I, I keep that in Google drive. But Mm -hmm. I do, I feel like I get overwhelmed if I look at it like all the time. So I break it down like daily in my bullet journal and it's amazing. Um, But also (laughs) it's so great to hear you talk about active campaign because I've been thinking about using them. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm so glad that you've been enjoying your experience with them so far. How long have you been using them? Oh yeah, just a few months now. It was just earlier in the summertime that I switched. So um, yeah, it's still really recent and I chose them because... Um, I just saw that they have a lot of powerful um, automations and tools that I'm not even using yet that I you yeah. know, could potentially be using in the future. And I thought it was a good platform to be able to grow with. Um, but another one that I, I previously used and um, even sometimes still think about um, using is Flowdesk. So um, I'm not sure okay. if you're familiar with Flowdesk. No, I yeah. haven't used that one. That's okay, like yeah. the, the WordPress, well, like the blogger campaign, like email marketing. <laughs> okay, <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah, their, um, I guess their um, point of value is that they're very visual based. So I know a lot okay. of creatives tend to prefer Flowdesk um, as well yeah. to make their emails beautiful. Because I've used like MailChimp in the past, but I mm-hmm. love that, like, it, like you said, with active campaign, like, it seems like there's something that you can really like grow with or grow Mm -hmm. into. Um, Mm -hmm. And I feel like, you know, nowadays there's so many awesome tools out there for entrepreneurs, but it's almost like uh, overwhelm for me because I'm like, (laughs) there's so many that I'm like, oh, am I missing out on the best one? Or then you'll find one and you're using it, but then you'll kind of like grow out of it or like, you'll be like, well, I'm not really utilizing these tools. I don't think I ever will utilize them. So Mm -hmm. it's nice to find things that it's like, okay, I will utilize these things in Mm -hmm. the future. 
and mm-hmm. like you know even if it's a year from now and then I won't have to like switch over to something new all the time um because I've definitely been at that point in life where I just feel like you know I'm like constantly switching to new things and mm-hmm. I don't like to do that anymore I love a good system but I'm like I like to keep it in place too <laughs> oh exactly yeah and um the thing about active campaign too is that um it connects because it's an older company. They've they're more established. They have a lot of integrations from the okay. get go. Whereas like a newer platform might not have those yet. Even though you know other platforms have their own um, positives too. So yeah, it's it's a lot to consider, and it definitely took me a while to choose which platform. Uh, but I'm happy with my choice. So good. I love it. Um, So consistent sales can be a challenge for many shop owners, depending on, you know, no matter what you're selling, it can be, it can be an issue. So what steps have you taken to make your sales more consistent? Yeah. So this is a great question. Um, For me, I think it really came down to developing a more cohesive brand um, and body of artwork that I think helped buyers establish trust when they visited my shop. So Um, my shop has not always looked (laughs) the way it looks now. Um, it's just one of those things that like builds on itself, you know, like the more sales you get, the more sales you get. So, um, in my experience, making sales really comes down to creating an attractive shop filled with products that your ideal customer finds beautiful and getting traffic to your shop so that your ideal customer can, um, you know, find your shop in the first place. So it comes down to just like really setting that foundation, but then also just doing everything you can to optimize your shop and market it so that you can get customers to it. Yeah, I love it. I feel like a lot of people are so, um, you know, worried about just getting started. They don't sometimes think about like how important it can be. I mean, you really think about like the boutique experience if you go in Mm -hmm. person you know, it's normally like a lovely place and it smells good. And like, you know, you just kind of enjoy that whole shopping experience when you go in person. And Mm -hmm. so you kind of want to be able to create like the online version of that and have a shop Mm -hmm. that people want to go back to and enjoy spending time in because a lot of times the longer they're there, the more stuff they're going to buy. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. You'd be surprised. I actually have a lot of um, repeat customers who keep coming back to buy additional prints or customers who will buy multiple prints at once because there's a variety of prints that still feel like they came from the same artist, you know, so it gives them, it gives them variety, but it also works together. So it's easier for them to create a gallery wall, for example, or I have a lot of customers actually gift my prints to, um, their loved ones. Yeah. Well, that's what, like, even just the first, like, your opening page, um, I love that you have, like, those examples that have, like, you know, like, photos, but then it's, like, there's a book out, there's a hat, there's, like, a vase, mm-hmm. so it's, like, people can kind of picture it in their home, and mm-hmm. that is something that I love about it, is it's, like, you can tell that it's all from the same artist, and so even if you're buying things from different sets, they still really go together, and if that's, like, the design style that works with your home, it's, like, you're going to be able to put it like someone could literally just like outfit their entire home with just your art and it would flow so well. You know what I mean? Thank you. Yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely agree. And um, I think a lot of artists do underestimate the importance of 
when you're, especially when you're starting out, just really being consistent with your style and developing that cohesive look. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I, I do believe it is really important when you're starting out and then, you know, you can branch off and grow from there. Yeah. I love I think it. That's no, one of the are you, that are drives- you? Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Angelica. No, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, are you at this point like scheduling, I mean, not now because of COVID, but are you like scheduling trips specifically just to take photos? Cause that's the dream. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, um, yeah, it's actually on my Trello list is to kind of start thinking about, okay, if I could even just drive somewhere, you know, to create new work for my shop. Um, yeah. So currently it's kind of twofold because I just love traveling. That's kind of how my shop was even born was um, I would go on trips, like just personal trips or even professional trips. And I would take life lifestyle and landscape photos from those places. And then I would add them to my shop. So originally it was just organic. Um, I wasn't specifically planning trips just for my shop. Um, at this point, it's hard for me to say yes to that too, because I would just personally enjoy it. So um, yes, there's, there's kind of that mix of like personal and professional in there. Um, but to your point, yes, I do need to kind of be intentional about choosing where I'd like to create new work. Um, and with, you know, everything this year, that's definitely been more of a challenge. Um, but Um, it is something that is on my radar for sure. And I've also kind of been exploring, um, you know, testing out new mediums. So part of, you know, my inner, my inner artist, my inner creative wants to play with acrylic paint, you know, or some plaster and just kind of really, um, dive into even more tangible forms of art and just see where that takes me. Oh, I love that so much. (laughs) Very relatable content for 2020. I think, especially as us being, you know, creators, we like to, we can't stick with one thing. I think we're consistently kind Mm -hmm. of hoping to hop into the next thing, especially when we make a business of the thing that we love. It's like, now I need Mm -hmm. to get a creative outlet somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) paint or let me go sculpt or let me go. In my case, I like to take pictures because I don't make money (laughs) taking pictures. So I'm like, let me go out and photograph some things or so I or bake that's another big one for me right yes. now so I totally can yeah. relate to wanting to do something different with your hands because you can't stand still <laughs> like you just need to create, so. yeah. speaking of how are you staying balanced and inspired this year oh goodness well um working out actually at home um a few times a week really has been helping me just um, stay grounded, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, like it just really kind of resets me every time I do it. And, um, I would highly recommend that to anyone who's just kind of been feeling like this year has got them in a rut, you know? Um, I also get really inspired when I think about like who I get to serve with my products and just how I'm helping others just by being myself. Um, by sharing what I love and putting what I have to offer out into the world. So um, it's been really cool just to hear from my customers and now my students um, 
And that definitely kind of gives me a North Star, per se, where I can focus on how um, what I'm doing does have an impact on um, somebody else. So those are kind of the ways that I've been staying balanced this year, also drinking lots of tea. And, you know, it's it's really been a challenging one. Um, Mm -hmm. It definitely takes just being intentional about doing those self-care practices, um, meditating, breathing, going for walks outside when you can. It was awful here in, in LA with all the fires. Um, not yeah. only were we inside because of just, you know, social distancing, but then on top of that, we couldn't even just like go outside because the air quality was so bad for a couple of weeks. So um, thankfully it's getting better here, but that was really tough. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine because that's like, that's kind of what we were wondering about here in Florida, like if we were going to have a bad hurricane season, because then it would be like COVID with the hurricane season on top of it. But that's Mm -hmm. essentially like you guys have been having that like having the fires on top of already having COVID and then just the whole everything of 2020. It's just like, Mm -hmm. it's so much I definitely think that like working out is such a great tool to just kind of like keep yourself balanced and what's great. I think obviously everyone can benefit from it, but I think for creatives it's great because it kind of helps us like quiet our minds Mm because when you're creative, like you're just constantly like going and doing and exploring and thinking. Um, And so it's just kind of like a great way to just like center yourself and block everything else and focus on something that's like very physical. Um, So yeah, that's definitely, that's, I know that's hard for a lot. Like you said, you've been working out indoors, which I think is great. I think that's been a challenge for a lot of people. They're like, well, I like to work out, but I work out outside. So I don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. I mean, I, I work out inside and um, I'm very fortunate right now to have a little patio. <laughs> so yes. I love doing yoga, just bringing my mat out there and just working out with the sun too. And um, another thing too is jump roping is a great way um, of getting some cardio in for yes. somebody who like really misses um, the treadmill or isn't near like any nature trails or anything like that. Um, jump roping is a really um, affordable way to get some cardio in. Yeah. Oh my God. I love jump rope too. It's just like fun. I feel like a kid whenever <laughs> I do it, even though I jump rope with a not very kid friendly rope, but still. Yeah. <laughs> so what upcoming projects do you have and what can our listeners look forward to from you and where can they follow you online? Yeah, so I would say my biggest upcoming project um, is my next launch of my program, Print Shop Academy. Um, Yeah, and it it teaches artists how to use Etsy to sell their artwork online. So um, right now enrollment is closed, but uh, the best place to learn more and just connect with me in general is on Instagram. And my Instagram handle is at hello, it's Paulina. Um, and then you can also follow my print shop at paulina.studio. So Instagram is definitely where it's at. (laughs) Yes. Agreed. That's where it's at for us too. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Paulina, for coming on and talking to us today. I learned so much. I'm like very inspired. I cannot wait till your academy opens back up so that I personally can join um, because (laughs) I would love to make that transition myself of selling art instead of doing, you know, photographing people in person. So I definitely think it's such a great tool, especially again in this year with COVID and everything else, like, 
anyone that is a photographer that is listening, this is definitely something that you should be paying attention to because <laughs> um, this would definitely be a way to uh, get back out there and sort your finances out and, you know, get some good income coming in. So thank you so much, Paulina, for talking to us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And I completely agree. Um, it's really the best way for digital artists to diversify their income. So I, I really enjoyed speaking with you ladies. And um, yeah, I will see you on Instagram. <laughs> yeah.